You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week six of the study Identity Theft, entitled Member Connected to the Church. Megan Hill opens the chapter by sharing that after Hurricane Katrina hit uh, her state back in 2005, researchers would call community members every so often and ask them a series of questions to gauge their mental and emotional well-being. She said every time someone would call, they would ask two questions. The first one was, how many people in your community would you be comfortable asking for a cup of sugar? And the second was, how many people in your community would you feel comfortable sharing your thoughts and feelings with? So I want you to think for a second how you would answer that question. I would ask a lot more people for a cup of sugar than I would give my thoughts to. Yeah. Yeah. She answered 100 people approximately for both of those questions, which um, she said most of them were her church family. So she uses that example to tell us that as Christians, we're never alone in this world because when we belong to Christ, we belong to the body of Christ. She finished her idea by saying that in Christ, we are not simply individuals. We are joined to what Peter calls a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. So in Christ, we are part of the church. So just to clarify, in the context of today's topic, when we say church, we're not talking about the building. We are the body of Christ. It's the body of believers, past, present, and future, who make up the church. So not only are we members of the Christ Universal Church, which we often call the Big C Church, which includes all believers from every nation and generation, but we're members of the local church, which is the Little C Church, um, which is the community of believers which we gather with to worship regularly. So it would be impossible for the Big C Church to gather together this side of heaven. Um, We are spread across time. We're in different nations. We speak different languages. So this is where the importance of the Little C Church comes in. And as we continue through our morning focusing on the church, we can't forget our brothers and sisters who live in countries where it's illegal to be a Christ follower. They they risk their lives to meet together at church, often in secret homes. And according to a post from the Gospel Coalition, the most dangerous places to be a Christian today are North Korea, Somalia, Yemen, Eritrea, Libya, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, Afghanistan, and Sudan. I also noticed in the cafe on the tables, there's cards that have different places that we as a church are um, focusing on to spread the gospel in those areas as well. Um, Yet in each of these countries, we hear powerful testimony from the church about how the spirit is moving in them and around them. They see the importance of the local church, and they're willing to suffer for it. And as Americans who live comfortably, I want to remind us that going to church and worshiping together is something that we should not take for granted. Um, And let's not forget to pray for those who don't have the freedoms that we have. So the book of Acts shows us the early church as it's forming. In Acts chapter 2, we have a clear look right into how the first church operated. In your... um, bags at your table, I stuck the verse um, from chapter 2, it's verses 42 to 47, and I want you to take time at your tables together and read it, and then highlight or circle anything about that and how they operated that stands out to you. So it could be like a compare and contrast with today's church, or it could just be what they do that you agree with or don't agree with, 
or just things that you find interesting. So you can take like five minutes and do that together. Anybody? As you read the verses, does anything about the early church stand out to you? Yes. They were really committed. They were, yeah. Did you all hear that? Ruth said the early church was very committed. Yeah. yeah. That was at the top of their commitment. Right. Above everything else. Uh-huh. Anything else? Yeah. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Are we? Oh no. No, I was just curious. I think it's interesting because they were so devoted. It just gives us room to. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Right. Right, life group. Yeah, Barb just made the point that like her life group almost operates like that as well because they meet together and they break bread together. It's not the whole church, but it's your life group, and that's a good point. It's a really good point. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read that we are to be the hands, the mouth, and the feet of Christ in the world today. So Jesus is not physically walking the earth right now. He's seated at the right hand of our Heavenly Father, But before he ascended into heaven, he told his followers that he would send them a helper, who we all know today to be the Holy Spirit, right? And it's through the Spirit and his power that we are able to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. So he gives each of us gifts, right? We each have a different gift. And when we use them together as the church, we reflect Jesus, not only for the good of the church, but also for the good of the world around us. We can shine the light of Jesus into the darkness And I think we can all agree that the world needs light right now. (laughs) Many of us in this room have been blessed by the church. Maybe you were in a time of need or, um, I don't know, if something good happened or something bad happened, the church rallied around you. So I think it's awesome to share stories. And I know most of you have already started sharing stories about how the church has played a huge part in your life. But I wanted to give you each a couple minutes to share your stories at your tables. Um, If you've had a tragedy or if you've had, I don't know, something go on in your life where the church rallied around you, tell your friends about it. So let's take another minute again to talk and just share with each other. All right. So to move into um, the truth, the theft, and the transformation for this chapter, the theft was a big one. So we opened with the um, overarching, like an umbrella, um, that it's not important to be a member of the local church. So that's like the overarching theft. But within that theft, Megan Hill gave us four specific areas of reasoning that we often see in connection with the theft. So the first was my relationship with God is personal. The second is my personality isn't suited for church. The third is I'm already part of a community of people with whom I have a lot in common. And the fourth is that I'm focusing on my family. 
And I could look at my Oikos and see different people in each of these scenarios. And it really broke my heart as I was reading it. Um, we learned a few chapters back that every good lie has a level of truth in it. And so Satan takes truth and wraps it in falsehood. You all remember that? So he's literally taking these truths, like pieces of these, and then wrapping it with the lie that because of this good thing, you don't need the church. Um, so debunk, to, to debunk his lies, God does want a personal relationship with us, but he also wants us to have a relationship with his people. The second was my personality isn't suited for church. And God did give us each different personalities for purposes, and we can find those purposes within his church. The third was I'm already part of a community of people with whom I have a lot in common. Yes, God gives us community, and it's for a good reason, but our hand-picked community can't take second place to our God-giving community. And then fourth, I'm focusing on my family. God gave us an earthly family, and he calls us to honor them and care for them. But above all, he gave us an eternal family, which is the church, and he calls us to have our place there as well. Being part... Oh, go ahead. Number three, I think something's not right. God gives us community for a reason, but our hand-picked community cannot take second place to our God-given community? Yeah, as in our, what we hand-pick. I guess, yeah, I can see how that was confusing. What do you mean cannot take second place? It better not take first place. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, I see what you did there. Okay, that was my miss... uh, Good catch. Thanks, Ruth. I'll change that for the people who are blogging on the website. Do you know what I meant? Know what I meant. It cannot take precedent over our God. That's what it should have said. So, yes, God gives us community for a reason, but our hand-picked community cannot take precedent over our God-given community. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, So being part of Christ's church is not another to-do on our list. It's a calling, and it's a gift. The truth is that God made his people for each other. So here at LAFC, we are walking through uh, the book of Genesis. And we recently learned how when God made Adam, he realized he needed a companion, so he made Eve, right? So Megan Hill, in our book, um, she shows us that Adam and Eve were kind of a picture of the first church. And then she walks us through um, how even after they sinned, God stuck by them as their family grew. And then the uh, body of believers grew, and she walks us through the stories of Abraham and Moses and through Old Testament prophets and shows us how time after time, as God shows his faithfulness, it wasn't to just individual people. It was to his body of believers as a whole. And when we read through uh, the New Testament, we can see that the theme continues. So the ending of the verses that you read from Acts at your table, it says, And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. So that shows us that New Testament believers believers are added to the church. I love how Megan Hill explains how that our connection to Christ connects us to each other. So I'm going to just read out of, on page 75, she says, The New Testament epistles, the letters that are written to early believers, reinforce this identity truth. The church is called a plant in Romans and in John a building in Ephesians, and a body in Romans, 1 Corinthians, and Ephesians. Each of these images emphasizes the fact that our connection to Christ necessarily connects us to everyone else connected to him. 
We are the tendrils that draw their common life from the Christ, the central vine. We are the bricks that together rest on Christ, the foundation, and we are the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears of Christ, who is the head. Part of our identity in Christ is being a member of his church, which is his people. And in a few weeks, we'll look at our identity as citizens of heaven because our membership, so to speak, doesn't end when we leave this earth. It's an eternal membership. So the promise of which we read in Revelation, when the new heavens and the new earth are complete and God makes his dwelling place among his church, his people. Megan then sums up this truth chapter really beautifully. So I'm going to just finish with this. She says, the church is not a human invention, a group of people who thought it would be a good idea to get together since they share the same beliefs and spiritual practices. The church is established by Christ, protected and nourished by Christ, governed by Christ, and exists for the glory of Christ. Because of this, the church is not optional. A group that you could join or not join, depending on your personality or preferences, the church is fundamental to the identity of everyone who belongs to Christ. And then we have transformation. By now we've seen that we are part of a community that is far greater than one that we could have ever chosen on our own. Megan suggests four ways in which we can live out our identity as members of Christ's church. So her first is to join a local church. You'll want to find a church that aligns themselves with biblical views, truths. Obviously, we think LAFC is a great choice. I know most of you attend LAFC, but we do live in an area that has many different churches. So do your research, find one that suits you, but most importantly, one that's committed to the teaching and the instruction of the Bible. And once you do this, so if you go to LAFC or any other church, join the church that you go to. Get involved, meet people, enjoy the gifts of fellowship and community, and then use your gifts to offer the same to others. Her second is to submit to the leaders of your church. So Christ is the ultimate head of the church, but he um, has given us the gift of leaders who he has given authority and these are our pastors, and their job is to shepherd us and instruct us in the way of Christ. Um, the Apostle Paul, um, I think, highlights this really well, or gives a perfect example in 1 Thessalonians. So 1 Thessalonians was written to the church of Thessalonica after Paul, Silas, and Timothy had already visited them. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy taught to the church, and then in his letter he says to that same church that he thanks God that when he, Silas, and Timothy taught them that the believers heard the word of God from their mouths, but they accepted it as Christ's word. And because they didn't accept it as God's word, or as man's words, and they accepted it as God's word, he could see it visibly at work within them as believers. Does that make sense? So the, the teacher is the vessel that God uses to teach the body, Right? So we need to um, honor and, and, um, and submit to the leaders within our church. The third is to pray for our church. There's power in prayer. We should pray for the church as a whole. We should pray for the individuals within our church. We should pray for the leadership within our church. And we might not know every single person in our church, but prayer unites us. LEFC has a prayer chain email. If you attend LEFC and you want to be on that, I think all you need to do is email um, the office and they'll ask you a few questions and then they'll put you on the prayer chain. 
Um, so that's just a great way that we can pray for each other, even if we don't know everybody. And then lastly, support your church in her worship and her work. So this means that we not only attend church regularly, but we put our gifts to use. It takes willing people for the church to operate as it's meant to. There's many ways to serve within the local church. And again, at LAFC, if you email the office, they will give you a list of ways in which you can serve the church body. We've mentioned that we all have spiritual gifts. And I think it's really important to know that they are not always these big, huge, fancy callings. Um, do you ever remember when I played that clip from a podcast about your identity being like a pair of sweatpants? Okay, so in a different podcast episode, that same speaker um, is talking about spiritual gifts. And she is like an amazing Bible teacher. Like she is called to do that. But she was sharing that in her season of life, she is called to be in the nursery holding babies, not on stage teaching women, because it's important right now that other um, women and other men in the church are able to use their gifts to, um, to bless the body of Christ. So I think that says so much about how the church is meant to operate. Just stepping down and st stepping up when you need to and stepping down when you don't and serving wherever it fits in um, to make sense. I know many of you serve within the church. I can look around tables and I don't know half your names, but I know your faces from different places that you serve. And I think that's amazing. Um, and I think it's important to also mention that if you are in Christ, no matter your age, no matter your past, no matter how long or short you've been a Christian, that you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to make an impact on the church. As long as you're willing to walk where he leads you and not where you want to go. Um, and then this topic of serving reminds me that we have such a beautiful opportunity right here in WBF. We have um, multiple generations present. And right here in this room, there's such a wealth of godly wisdom and knowledge. And uh, Titus chapter 2 tells us that older women should teach younger women and, and press on their knowledge to them and their wisdom. Um, and I don't think it only means your numerical age. I think it also speaks to your spiritual age, if that makes sense. So um, since we're always in a season ahead of somebody else, what would it look like and how impactful would it be if we partnered together, whether that's as like a mentor type relationship or a prayer partner, and just walked alongside of each other to support each other and build up the women within our church so that we can build up the body together. Um, that doesn't need to be a big commitment. It could literally be texting each other every once in a while or meeting for breakfast. But I think it would make a huge impact on the kingdom right here at LAFC. Um, we learned this morning that God specifically puts us in his church community, and I think that's a beautiful way to take advantage of that. Um, so prayerfully consider where the Lord has you and how you can support the church. And if you do feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to mentor or be a mentor or a prayer partner, I'm not going to send out like a sign of genius. Don't freak out. But I don't know, Christy, maybe the WBF leaders or Bev and I would be happy to help you prayerfully find somebody that might suit you and just walk alongside you if that's something you're interested in. Um, so I am going to end this morning with this quote from James Bannerman. He says, The spiritual fellowship that a believer enjoys with his Redeemer is not solitary or selfish joy, but one which he cannot possess alone or accept in common with other believers. Thank you.